0: Hello, welcome to the American Society of Regional Anesthesia, Regional Anesthesia and Pain Podcast, Azra RAP. I'm your host, Raj Gupta, and we are back live again for another show. Um, we are excited to be having uh, another Azra Wrap podcast. Um, I want to thank Kaiten Chopra, who hosted uh, the special event that we did a couple weeks ago with all the new pain fellows to cue a question and answer. Um, about Pain Fellowship. I think that was a really useful uh, session. We'll probably do stuff like that, more interactive stuff as we're getting used to this live stream format. But uh, before we get started with today's show, I want to talk about a couple of announcements from Azra. Uh, First off, let me put this up on the screen so you guys can see it. And so um, first thing I want to mention is Azra has a new app. Um, They uh, just released this, I think, yesterday. It's called Azra Coder. Um, and, uh, it's, it's an effort, uh, with some of the chronic pain doctors primarily, but Um, There is some acute pain stuff in here. In this app, it gives you access to kind of filter down through um, different types of procedures that you'll be doing and find the right code, understand what the Medicare billing for that is, and then maybe suggest some alternate codes. It's a great useful tool that I think you'll use every day in your practice, particularly our chronic pain colleagues who do a lot of different kinds of procedures and often are responsible for documenting the billing codes. This is available on the iOS store and the Google Play store, so it's a great opportunity on both platforms. Uh, only $5, and I think it'll be a, a really useful tool. And added to Azra's already rich app platforms, uh, Azra COAG's, Azra Local Anesthetic Systemic Toxicity, also known as Azra Last, and then uh, Azra Timeout, which is a procedural timeout app checklist. So you can get any one of those on the app stores. Um, Go to Azra's website to check it out, and you can find all the direct links. Second, I want to mention Azra's upcoming events. So Azra has been adapting to the coronavirus. Um, world and has done and done some virtual meetings or set up some virtual meetings We've already done a couple we have a few more coming um, one on tele pain care um, Another on back pain and then um, the big one is in september the ezra and azra international congress This is a 24-hour congress um, That's going to be done all online and it's completely free for members of both azra and ezra so if you're a member You can register for this meeting. They've been collecting the content and the topics, getting all the speakers uh, lined up. And I think it's gonna be a really spectacular program. You're really gonna get education from across the world and um, it's gonna be available for a full 24 hours in real time. And then the content's available later as well on um, to watch back on video. So I just wanna mention those to you, pay attention to those upcoming events. The next one is coming up here in just a couple of days. Next up is, I want to mention something about the journal. So, Azra's journal is Regional Anesthesia and Pain Medicine, and it's been making great strides over the last few years. And so, I do want to mention a real big accomplishment. Azra has gone from an impact factor of somewhere in the order of two for many years ago, and then it moved up into the three and a half range, and then five, and now it's reached uh, 7.015 in the latest ratings. This puts it on par with anesthesiology as one of the, the those two become the top two anesthesia journals in the world. Um, so really a spectacular leap forward for this journal. Uh, we highly encourage you to submit articles to the journal and, um, and read um, the wonderful content that's published on that on a regular basis. So check out Regional Anesthesia and Pain Medicine. A lot of wonderful, fantastic comment, uh, content coming on this on a regular basis. So... Going back to our uh, team here, let me get everybody back on. Hey, everybody. Uh, Good to have everybody back on. Let me make sure everybody's mics are unmuted. So um, what we're going to be talking about, so we have with us uh, my co-host, Eric Schwenk. Eric, how are you?
1: Good. How are you guys?
0: Doing very well. And uh, Gary Schwartz is also one of our co-hosts. Gary, how are you? Doing
2: great. Thanks for having us again, Ron.
0: Good. And our guest today is Dr. Faraj Abdallah. He's an associate professor of anesthesiology at the University of Toronto and the University of Ottawa. He gets to be at two places at the same time. He's also a clinician scientist, and um, he's the lead author on the publication that we're going to be talking about today. So I'm going to throw this up on the screen real quick. This is uh, the analgesic efficacy of cannabinoids for acute pain management after surgery. It's a, systemic, a systematic review and meta-analysis um, from their group up there in Canada. And um, I think this is going to be an important uh, discussion topic. Uh, we have a lot of conversation out in the world about cannabinoids and their value in chronic pain uh, with a lot of um, supposition and assumption about their value in acute pain. And I think this is an important area of research that needs to be done so that people don't get therapy that's useless, um, or we don't miss out on therapy that's incredibly helpful. And this is all in the context of the opioid epidemic and the fact that we want to try to reduce the amount of opioids people can take. Um, so I'm going to start this off, uh, Dr. Abdullah. welcome. Um, thanks for joining us. And, uh, I'll start off with the first question, which is, um, Uh, What was the inspiration for this uh, analysis, uh, and and where do you guys see cannabinoids in your practice that uh, brought up this conversation?
3: Thank you, Raj, for hosting us and for this excellent opportunity. Uh, This question about cannabinoids initially uh, is something that we come across in our clinics prior to uh, surgery when we see patients, and they have... um, some questions about whether or not to continue on the cannabinoids or whether we would be incorporating that into their pain management if they're already uh, using that compound and it the interest in this topic has actually uh, increased with some legislative changes that um, allowed these compounds to be used uh, without any legal issues around them in canada and north america and uh, the question is is this going to be the new holy grail of uh, pain management they have been used extensively in chronic pain management over the past few years and um, there is an uh, uh, intuitive assumption that they could also be inaccurate pain management so to, uh, to address these questions we uh, reflected on the evidence and not to disappoint those of you who haven't read the paper i do honestly believe that we're not much further in terms of our knowledge from before in terms of uh, identifying a role for those uh, compounds what we know now is that the current evidence we have in our hand doesn't really support the use routine use of cannabinoids in acute pain management but this is just a contemporary knowledge, and things could change at any point of time
2: when we have new evidence to uh, influence our practice. This is great. So, uh, the hardest thing that I was, the most important thing I was learning about reading the study is that how did you get your methodology? There's so many different dosing regimens and different ratios of CBD, THC. Some were pre-op, some were multi-dose chronic users. How did you? weed out the different studies for your meta-analysis because there's not really a single substance. We term everything under cannabinoids or THC-CBD, but there's actually hundreds of different compounds. Indeed, there's a lot of heterogeneity in uh,
3: what is being examined here and uh, the approach to incorporating them into the analgesic regimen. When we're examining A new compound like that i'd assume that we are going to use either or a combination of two approaches first off the the compound is developed in a lab and then goes through phase one phase two phase three trials or uh, it is put into practice because if it's already there and we have a few observational studies to see if there is a signal and then once we identify a signal in a certain population We might go to explanatory trials, clinical trials, and then maybe to pragmatic clinical trials. The problem here with cannabinoids is that it hasn't used any of those approaches in a uh, rigorous way. It seems that the enthusiasm to put this drug or category of uh, 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 compounds into use has um, uh, allowed it to have some leaps in terms of uh, use so jumping stages and not really uh, following a um, uh, a real scientific approach to testing its efficacy if you're going to examine it in a setting of a clinical trial i'd rather have one question be addressed at a time and if we use the what conventionally termed as the pico format i'd like to see a specific population where i anticipate a significant amount of post-operative acute pain to be involved following surgery and to have those patients kind of cannabinoid naive to examine whether or not the use would uh, add any benefit and then when i pick the intervention The intervention itself has to be a finite molecule i cannot pick a compound or a category which has more than 100 compounds in it so i don't know what exactly is active and what is inactive and it's more of like a kitchen sink approach um, some of the trials picked a specific synthetic compound that is a cannabinoid and they used it. And I kind of favor that approach rather than having uh, a seafood, bouillabaisse, I would call it, of uh, compounds that have been dumped on the patients to see whether or not it works. And then we need a clearly defined regimen for uh, administration. We need a specific ratio of CBD to THC. We need a consistent route, and we need to test that in the setting of multimodal analgesia. And what's striking is that none of that had happened. And when I compare, I need to have a standardized comparator. I need the comparator to be multimodal analgesia. It is unfair to ex- eliminate components of multimodal analgesia that we use every day to um, favor cannabinoids and exaggerate their observed effect in these trials. And we also need to have a placebo arm there to account for the placebo effect that we see in pain uh, studies. And the outcomes should be analgesic. We cannot uh, beat around the bush and look at quality of life or functional recovery before we demonstrate the ABCs, the effect on pain, effect on opioid consumption. of uh, And eventually I'd like to see some real benefit not just statistical differences but clinically important differences when these uh, compounds are used to manage post-operative pain and until this approach has been used i cannot give a blanket approval from myself or from uh, a pain physicians or anesthesiologists to really uh incorporate this compound into our uh standardized multimodal analgesic regimen so we're still far from that point and i hope the near future would bring us more robust evidence of its utility
1: thanks a lot faraj uh, this is eric um i'm, eric? I'm, ask- I'm asking uh, a question more from the perspective of when you guys were thinking about uh designing this study Uh, was this based on uh, what you guys are doing in your clinics? Are you actually giving cannabinoids to any of your patients acutely for acute pain or are any of your colleagues doing that? And in the studies that you included here, is that what was being done? Are are these patients who are uh, previously not taking cannabinoids at home and are acutely exposed to them for the purpose potentially of acute pain control, or is this people who are already on them, or is it a mix of that? I'm curious, because the the idea to me, uh, from what I've seen in my practice, I don't know of anybody giving cannabinoids for acute pain at all, so I'm just kind of uh, curious about the the background a little bit, if you don't mind uh, talking to that for a second.
3: I will disclose that uh, in the settings of chronic pain management, I've put patients on cannabinoids, on CBD and um, I am personally curious about its use in acute pain management. Um, Well, Canada legislated or legalized the use of cannabinoids and we see a lot of patients coming in with the question of, uh, can you put me on cannabinoids? Uh for pain management. And my answer would be, well, we don't have the evidence, but if you have chronic pain, the chronic pain specialist might want to do that. Or patients asking, can I start using cannabinoids to help with my pain management? And my answer is usually, Well, I think you should keep doing what you're doing. I'm not sure that adding it to what you're taking is going to be beneficial. And if you're already taking it, I'm also not sure if stopping it would be beneficial. I suspect it might be causing some sort of a withdrawal and worsening your uh, post operative pain management. So, uh, the answer to that is keep doing what you're doing. And if you're coming to me for chronic pain management, I'm comfortable using CBD as an option. But if you're asking for acute pain management, I- I'm, unfortunately, the evidence is still not there. And I'm not going to give you something that might will unlike is unlikely to benefit you but may have a potential harm
0: Uh, i will follow up with a question Um, the uh findings of your meta-analysis are one that uh you you obviously didn't find a benefit for uh cannabinoids in the acute pain process but there were a couple other findings that were really important one is, is that um, you notice a slightly increased amount of pain in the patients taking cannabinoids uh, in the acute 12 hour period. Any thoughts on that, um, why that would be?
3: Thank you, Raj. Yes, this is a kind of um, interesting observation. Um, the only other time where I found something similar uh let me call it rebound pain was when dealing with uh, regional anesthesia and nerve blocks and the phenomenon of rebound pain following certain um, interventions that we perform and i naturally tend to see what the explanation was at that point and whether there were similarities in in rebound pain usually uh, The simplest explanation is that patients are not very compliant. They have a perfectly working nerve block, and they don't think they need anything. So they skip their medications, and then when the block wears off, the pain is ramped up. So that is one of the causes of pain in patients having regional anesthesia. And of course, I also understand and appreciate the possibility of the end. the inflammatory effect of application local anesthetics on nerves. Similarly, I, I speculate that in patients on cannabinoids, there is also a question of compliance, particularly when what they're using and if they're already being on those cannabinoids, and uh, the regimen includes some uh, of the THC component, the euphoric component, and the, the affective uh component of that might play a role with uh, compliance and this is probably a oversimplified uh explanation the other uh explanation that we ha- are borrowing from basic sciences is that uh, these cannabinoids particularly when they're u- being used in high doses they have an inhibitory effect on the inhibitory circuits that uh uh, will eventually result in worse pain and this the worst part of it seems to be happening around the 12 hour time point these are admittedly speculative explanations we cannot establish causal.
0: oh it looks like we've lost Dr. Faraj, so he may be struggling with some internet issues here. We'll try to get him back on in just a moment. Hey, Gary, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit because you've been doing some work in this arena of cannabinoids. Um, most of your work, I think, is related to cannabinoids in um, chronic pain. Is that correct? Yeah, because that's the most common
2: use in the United States. Obviously, what Faraj was talking about is it's legal in Canada, but in the United States, we have a tricky situation. I believe it's 32 states. And the District of Columbia, plus some of the different uh, territories, have it legal for medical use. 11 states have it legal recreationally. So we have a wide variety of uses in the United States. So I mainly use it in my practice for chronic. As his research shows, we don't have great ways of giving it in the acute pain setting. And it looks like it might not even help that much. I was more curious. I'm waiting for him to get back on because THC is metabolized by the the CYP, the CYP 450 system. So I wonder if any issue with that, um, maybe reuptake or higher concentrations are causing the higher pain. Maybe it ramps up the system so they don't respond so well to our post-op analgesics. Let's
0: see if we can get him back on. I think he's back. So um, you, you were uh, in the middle of your conversation about the um, uh, the twelve hours of pain uh, issues afterward, or the, the increased pain in the uh, twelve hours afterwards. Eric was going to follow up with a quick uh, a question to add on to that. If we want to start with that, Eric.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I was just curious. Do you think Faraj that uh, uh, the uh, the the increase in pain was that? Would you think that would have been a result of intentional? Uh, withholding of opioids by uh, providers in some cases out of fear for side effects like combined respiratory depression of opioids and cannabinoids together. I, that's probably getting a little bit too uh, deep into the weeds, but I'm curious if you, maybe you'd maybe you speculate a little bit on, on, uh, on if that could be the case, why the pain was incre- increased in that group.
3: One of the problems is we don't know enough We don't know how much interaction is there between cannabinoids and opioids in terms of the respiratory effect. And when when you want to find knowledge on that topic, respiratory depression is kind of a rare outcome. So it's challenging to design a clinical trial to look at that outcome because it's harm. Probably there are ethical concerns to design a study that looks at harm, but also it's a rare one where you need a huge sample size. So clinical trials are not going to inform us about the uh, interaction between opioids and cannabinoids. We probably would want to look at big cohort studies where patients have been using that perioperatively cannabinoids and have been put on opioids. And unfortunately, the information available or the evidence available from these uh, cohort studies is very poor and is not sufficient to inform our practice. So we're left to our kind of apprehensive approach to deal with um, uh, cannabinoids, and some, some, including myself, when we see someone who is on high dose of cannabinoids, I kind of want to be careful in my opioid prescriptions postoperatively to avoid what I don't know. And, uh, uh, lack of information is not the best way to inform our practice, unfortunately. So, yes, answering your question, this could potentially be one one of the explanations why patients might have rebound pain, and that that might probably acquit cannabinoids from being a cause for rebound pain. It it would be then our own practices that are being over conservative and uh, not doing uh a service to our patients in that context
2: yeah so in the meta-analysis we noticed there was an increased risk of hypotension with uh, marijuana cannabinoid use uh, any theories on the etiology of this is it dose dependent parasympathetic versus sympathetic okay. i'd love to hear your thoughts on this
3: again and this is an area where we can speculate we know from um, uh, basic sciences that when Cannabinoids are used in higher doses, they tend to have uh, uh, an increase in sympathetic, parasympathetic tone. And that means uh, clinically, the heart is less responsive in situations where it should increase its heart rate, and probably also an effect on the uh, vasomotor tone. So we we have less ability to contract our the blood vessels, to increase uh, blood pressure in situations where the blood pressure needs to be increased, particularly um, when we're talking about uh, orthostasis, rising up from a laying flat position or from a sitting down. Uh, this uh, delay in the autonomic and the parasympathetic component of the autonomic nervous system seems to be contributing to that phenomenon. Um, that seems to be uh, significant enough to, be, to have been caught as a side effect in clinical trials, which is alarming. It means that it is probably common, more common than we had anticipated with uh, cannabinoids. And mind you, uh, when people are put on cannabinoids in chronic pain clinics, This is one of the things that you hear from them, that I'm I'm feeling a little bit drowsy when I stand up from from, uh, my sitting position or when I try to leave bed in the morning. So it is something that we are familiar with, but we did not anticipate in the acute pain settings to be um, a, a, a common side effect, even with the smaller doses that have been used. So one might, one should be mindful about that, particularly when we're dealing with the elderly or those with a higher risk of falls because we can aggregate additional harmful effects just by increasing the risk for falls.
1: Thanks a lot, uh, Faraj. I, it's something to follow up with. I think it's pretty clear from what you guys found and from what you're saying that at this point, cannabinoids and acute pain uh, really can't be recommended based on the evidence. Chronic pain may be. A separate issue, but I think a question a lot of the people listening, and uh, myself included, is what do we do with patients who come in who are chronically taking cannabinoids or are using medical or recreational marijuana? I mean, the number of patients who admit to marijuana uh, taking that during the pre-op interview is pretty substantial, and it's definitely been increasing. So, what do we do with that information in the perioperative period? Do we have enough evidence to guide us? Should we? cut back on our opioids, should we, you know, I mean, that's probably a good strategy in general anyway, right? That's what we've been recommending across the board with multimodal and other agents. Uh, are there other things though, in terms of like post operative monitoring or, or um, what about the patient who's going home the same day? You know, these are the kind of things that um, I would guess some people are probably wondering about. And I'm curious if you have any thoughts or, uh, or recommendations based on, on what you've seen.
3: Well, it is there's still an area where we have, minimal knowledge but I, i'm myself and c- colleagues as well are cognizant of possible interactions and possible increased risks when dealing with this uh, category of patients and when it comes to choosing between experiencing a little bit of pain because i'm cutting down on some of the opioid prescription versus having the risk of the patient partying on post-operative day one when they're they discharged and then going to sleep and never waking up. I'd take the lesser of the evils and be careful and maybe be more conservative in our opioid prescriptions when we have a concomitant uh, cannabinoid on board there are uh, some cases where we have heard about patients unfortunately having very serious outcomes bad outcomes for uh, being on cannabinoids and having opioids When, when there is one kind of substance abuse there is also usually other kinds of substantive abuse ongoing at the same time so it is uh, unpredictable and if there is uh, little control over how much cannabinoid the patient is going to consume, not only because the patient is not uh, is not going to be clear about it, but also because of variability from the source from which he obtains his or her cannabinoid, then I'd rather to cut down and play it safer on my behalf. And the only factor that I can control is the prescription that I send my patient with or what I prescribe during the hospital stay. And uh, better safe than sorry in this situation. And I I can reiterate, I tell my patients, if you're not on it, please don't start it. And if you're on it, don't stop it, but do not increase what you're taking because it is not the answer to controlling your pain. And don't go partying after surgery when you are having both cannabinoids and opioids on board. The, The more serious Uh, Or uh, dangerous combination seems to be when you add alcohol to this mix, and then we are a step away from some disasters.
0: Raj, um, I'm going to ask a sort of a two-part question. One is this question of CBD, which is sort of the medical side, and the recreational THC. Um, Do you uh, see that if somebody's coming in on either of these medications, do you manage them differently? As they come in, or do you just assume that you don't have complete understanding of either one of them and you're going to treat them the same? The second part of the question um, that I would ask is that you spent some time Perusing through lots of studies as you were sifting through for this meta-analysis And I think that anytime somebody does that what they're looking for is the perfect study And so to all the researchers out there, what would you tell them? What's the kind of study that you need? You're sort of alluded to a couple of the points But what would you like to see in a in a cannabinoid study for acute pain? That would really help you answer the question about whether it has value or not To start with
3: I have my own biases I've been using cannabinoids in the chronic pain settings. So before before going into acute pain, I think we are barking at the wrong tree. And I think I need evidence that helps me get over my biases. The biases is that in my experience with cannabinoids, it's a compound where I start the patient on very small doses and titrate up over weeks and then slowly add the THC component to address the affective mood so uh, this slow progressive approach which is concomitant with some uh, changes and neuroplastic changes with uh, uh, involving the cannabinoid receptors isn't one that speaks well to the acute pain settings. This is fairly different. We need something that you start immediately before surgery or just after surgery and you see benefit. So I do really need basic science evidence that shows that cannabinoids can act fast enough to address acute pain without having to start the patient on them weeks before the surgery and slowly titrate it up. And that needs really to go back to the drawing board, to basic sciences. Uh, and then the other point that I need to be addressed in terms of evidence is that we're not only dealing with uh, pain circuits here. Acute pain it has, a indeed a neuronal circuit component, but it also has the cytokines, the inflammatory transmitters. And what I don't know or what I don't have enough evidence is that do cannabinoids really influence in a positive way that component of post-operative pain? That is a big gap in our information. And before both questions are answered, I would still have a lot of hesitancy before promoting uh, this compound for uh, acute pain management
0: faraj i want to thank you for joining us we're going to wrap it up i think today um this article is fascinating i'm going to put it back up on the screen for people to um, look at because i think this is the beginning of a conversation we're going to be having for a little while Um, this is uh, in regional anesthesia and pain medicine i encourage you to go to um, Go to the journal, it's in the current issue, um, and uh, read through this article. Um, it doesn't, I don't think it answers all the questions. I think it opens up the conversation to a lot of questions um, and uh, future research. But I think it's an important um, important start to this conversation. And uh, we get asked this a lot, so it's, it's an important one to uh, consider, especially as patients are coming in more and more on cannabinoids. Um, as we wrap up, I do want to remind people if there is a um, uh, that there are these upcoming events for Azra. If you haven't found them yet, if you go to Azra.com on the um, events page, you can. If you go to the homepage, here, I'll show you right up at the beginning, they have a banner, and you can go to the virtual events page and pick um, any of these events and register for them and uh, participate in these online virtual sessions. I know all of us are missing the in-person conferences and we would love to get back to them as soon as possible, but we don't know when that is. And in the meantime, we're doing these podcasts to stay connected and we're doing these virtual uh, uh, events to stay connected and educated and learning throughout the process. Um, And so uh, I I highly encourage you to uh, check these out. And then uh, as we mentioned earlier, Uh, Azra does have a new app. uh, I'll show you here real quick. It's called Azra Coder. It's the brand new app from Azra for coding um, your procedures. A great way to look up uh, CPT codes and then um, uh, what the corresponding Medicare billing is for those uh, codes, for E&M and CPT codes. Um, And the nice thing about this in an app is instead of a printed document, um, we can update these uh, in the background. So as new information comes out, the database gets updated and you get the new information. So uh, I think that's... uh, uh, a great way to have uh, information at your fingertips that you can reuse clinically. So I want to thank everybody for joining us and for watching on the video. I, and we will see you guys in about a month. Um, I forgot what date we were going to pick for the next show. Gary, do you remember? I think I told you. I
2: uh, August I think it's like August 9th. But let me double check. Hold on. Yeah.
1: Follow us on social media for the details.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. So um, it, we'll we'll keep posting about it. But uh, well, I don't have it in front of me. It's about exactly a month from now. So um, we will post more about it as it gets closer. So we're going to try to do this again Sunday evening, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, join us on the live stream. Join us in the comments. Uh, really appreciate it. And um and and then you can always listen to us on the azure rap podcast afterwards too we'll push it out as an audio podcast so thank you everybody and uh, thanks for participating have a great week ahead thank you
1: raj thanks for doing all the good work you're doing there